Come join the most amazing live mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs every morning. Let's go. The, the Morning Meetup. Do you have a business idea you need to get off the ground? Do you currently work a nine to five and are looking for supplemental income? Come and network with like-minded individuals and take your business to the next level. Every morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with David Shand and friends. Head over to themorningmeetup.com. That's themorningmeetup.com. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, whoever you are. I'm Oliver Perry. Welcome back to the show. Today, I've got a man who's a con tractor and he's a genius at it he's been in the game for quite a while and i think he's got quite a bit to share not just on his brand and how he handles his brand but as well the things that you can take advantage of when it comes to contracting as a real estate agent a real estate investor or somebody who's just interested in real estate and contracting in the first place anyway so let's get into it are you starting your journey into real estate business or entrepreneurship are you in need of strategies to help you reach your daily goals? That's right. Then the That's Oliver right. Perry Show is for you. Come and get the experiences and strategies to help you be successful. Woo! And now, your host, you know who it is, sis? Oliver Perry. Oliver Perry. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I give you. Uh oh, am I? No, I'm not mute. Okay, good. I'm not mute. Sorry. <laughs> I want to make sure I'm not, I screwed the intro up. But ladies and gentlemen, give you Mr. Matt Davara. Matt. How are you today, kind sir? How are you feeling, man? Good, very good to be here. Good to be here. Listen, Matt wasn't expecting the hand, the uh, round of applause, but nonetheless, <laughs> Matt, if you, I know you got a second, man. I, I definitely want to talk to you, and I'm excited to talk to you. So I want to make sure you get the floor to kind of give your background and basically what makes you the man when it comes to contracting. I'm gonna give you that shot now. Yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate that. You know, for me, it started for four generation. I'm the fourth generation. Simple story. My great grandfathers came here from Italy, and uh, for us, they, we never intended to be contractors. They moved here from Italy, bought land, built their own houses, and started helping people in the neighborhood. And they fell in love with it. So did my grandfather, my father, uncle, and then me. But uh, I think what makes us different, which which is the the insightful part, is that we started out by a belief, which is you work for neighbors. And when you do that, you kind of have a different approach on how you treat people. And that was the one thing that passed from my great grandfather's grandfather, father, uncle down to me. I love it, man. That's fantastic. That's a great way to look at it. It sounds to me like you guys are all about the community, which is really, really cool. So Matt, you've been in and let's, we're just going to jump right in, ladies and gentlemen, because Matt has got a lot of experience and I want to make sure he gets to share as much of it as possible. So Matt, you have done a lot in the contracting world, particularly when it comes to the masonry and things of that nature, right? So how has that process been, though, when you were starting out? Because you weren't always that guy. You have become the fourth generation boss of the business and you're making it happen. What has been your motivation to take over when that when your time came to become the fourth generation guy? You know, it, it was weird. It's not, it's probably not what you expect. I mean, I, I started out and I always looked to kind of the next big step. I grew up in the field. My first day of work, I was nine years old. And uh, my, my mom's like, he's too young. Yeah. <laughs> my, my dad's like, my dad's like, you know, let me, let him work with me. And then she stayed with me. Uh, yeah. I was home for one summer, third grade right. by fourth grade summer. She's like, take him. I can't deal with him. So that was my, that was my uh, first day on the job. But you know, I kind of always just looked to the next step. I was a laborer. I started out first day on the job picking up trash. Um, mm -hmm. I was like, this is not what I expected, but I'm here. Um, <laughs> too late to turn back. <laughs> so 
you know, I kind of, kind of always just looked at it. I'm like, well, I don't enjoy picking up trash. Right. The, the guy over here that my dad has mixing, you know, he's mixing concrete. That's a little more fun than what I'm doing. And so it was always just that next step. And then I got to a point where kind of mastered the physical elements of it in terms of being able to build with my hands and right. wanted to manage. And I looked up to my dad and, and, and I really looked up to other big businesses and I thought, how cool would it be to, you know, have a big masonry and concrete company? Man, okay, so you set the tone early. Nine years old, you're in there with the grown men making it happen. That's uh, that's epic. I'm sure there was child labor laws involved at some point, but don't worry. Nobody's nobody's going to catch up to you. You're good. <laughs> so, all right, man. So, yeah, exactly. so, so you took over with the fourth generation, man. And, but from what I saw and what I kind of looked at, I looked at a lot. Like, I'll always do my research, of course, when doing a podcast. And I looked at some of the stuff that you've done in the past, and you've done a lot when it comes to your online presence. Like you've got five stars on Google and five stars in Yelp and five stars in this and that. There were some apps I've never even heard of on there when I looked at the website. How have you kind of taken what, – what was the change that you created when you took over not just the business, but you took over that brand as well? What were those changes? How did you do that? Well, the first thing was the distinguish, like to distinguish the difference between a business and a brand. Right. Like the brand is what do we want? What do we want to be known for? What do we? It's more intention, right? We we had a brand, but it was almost accidental. It was like, what are the core beliefs of my family? Right. Um, and so, in thinking about the brand and how I wanted the company to be perceived, it was well, what do I want to be known for? Where where are we heading? What do we want people to think and feel when they interact with us? And it became more intentional versus what have we, we, you know, what did I inherit? It was, that was part of it, but it was bigger or more important was where do we want to go? Okay. That makes sense. So how did you decide which way you wanted to go then? Cause you already had kind of that history with the background of community and taking care of the community as family, just like you talked about a little bit earlier, but when you took over, what, how did you decide, okay, this is the direction I'm going to take the business and this is the way I want it to look. How'd you come up with that? Great, great question. I what I did was I I looked at big companies, right? Because okay. in small businesses, there's a lot of limiting beliefs. Like my dad used to tell me, Matt, no one's ever going to care as much as family or work as hard. Um, you know, like bigger jobs, bigger headaches. You know, more money, more right. problems. Like a lot of these limiting beliefs. I love my dad, um, but he, you know, he had the small business mindset, and right. so to break those beliefs, I didn't quite know what to do. But I looked at big businesses, and I kind of destroyed those beliefs by saying, well. This company has 2000 employees and the owners are never there, mm. you know, so, so clearly it's possible or, you know, this business did this. Um, and so I, I didn't quite, it was almost like I didn't know the gap. I knew where right. I was and right. I could look at these really big companies and say, this is where I want to head. Right. I didn't know how to navigate the middle, but I knew it was possible. And that was the first big step. Okay. That makes sense. It's because what, from what you're saying, it just sounds like you decided, Hey, this is the plan. I'm going to model it off of kind of the bigger names and figure out how they did it and then model it to what I'm doing as well. Right. Does it make sense? Correct. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Good, good. So you did, you did all the changing and where did the undercover contractor come from? Cause that one, I thought when I looked at it, I was like, Oh, that's cool. That's a, that's a good idea. Where'd you come up with the idea for undercover contractor and how does that fit into the DeBarbara masonry Sorry, the Barbara, the DeBarbara Masonry kind of business and family business. How'd that work there? So here's what happened. I started, I started looking at, you know, what were some of my biggest regrets? And one of them was not thinking big enough. Mm. And so I said, okay. And to kind of veer off for a moment, I, I think there's three key factors for, for success and growth. 
And it is thinking big, insane work ethic, and a massive amount of courage. I think anybody that you and I both know the name of right now has those three things. They thought big, they worked like crazy, and they had a lot of courage. And so, you know, I looked at, okay, well, I want to solve big problems in the industry. And the masonry and concrete and construction I was really passionate about, and I still am, but I thought a bigger issue is homeowners and finding the right contractor and also real estate agents, investors, you know, where do they start? How do they find a contractor? Because if you get it wrong, it could be a lot of money and a lot of time wasted. And so I was doing a lot of work with clients and I was constantly saying the same thing over the last three years. I was meeting with so many clients who had been screwed over by contractors that I was like, you know what? I need to find a way to like hand them a book. And I was talking to a marketing mentor of mine and he's like, yeah, but why would you just do that in masonry and concrete? Like, isn't it in the whole industry? And I'm like, man, that's the big think again, right? you know, thinking big. And so, you know, he's like, you're, you're kind of like this, this undercover contractor where, you know, you don't look and, and always sound like a contractor, but you help all these people in ways that are non-confrontational. Right. You know, that was where the undercover part came from was I'd give the homeowner the knowledge of the tips instead of like, you know, beating the contractor over the head, that's not my motive because I, I am a contractor. I love people who get up, work hard, and try and do well in business. Um, so, you know, that didn't feel right. So I would give the homeowner the, the or the investor, in, in most cases, the the knowledge and the tips on, on how to navigate the process so they can do it on their own. Right. All right. So we're going to go back a little bit because you hit on something in there, not just what you said at the back end, but in that front end as well, where you talked about your rules of work and your rules as an entrepreneur, basically your principles. One of them I wanted to dive into a little bit, and that's the work ethic. How does one improve their work ethic? Because that's something you were very passionate when you spoke about it just now about about it. And I imagine you found ways to improve your work ethic because I'm almost certain it wasn't always the, the tip top as it is now. How do you improve your work ethic? So, so simple. I, I think this is the, one of the biggest hacks we can use as as anybody in an industry, you know, whether it's a job, you have your own business, doesn't matter. If I asked you, if I put a dollar, you know, 10 feet away from you, and I said, how excited are you to run as fast as you can and grab that dollar, right? You have some level of excitement. But if I put $10 million in a suitcase and I said, how fast are you going to run to grab that? You're going to be much more motivated. Would you agree? <laughs> right. I absolutely agree. Exactly. It's human need. And so what, what, and, and, and it could be money in the suitcase. It could be anything, but I think there's two key factors. Who are you doing it for? Mm-hmm. And thinking big. Your your vision has to be so big that it, it propels you up in the morning. I'm so excited by the problems I'm solving and who I'm doing it for. I have a little baby girl on the way and, and my family values and principles that between who I'm doing this for, which isn't just me, and what I'm ultimately trying to achieve, which is so big, I'm just like – my hardest part is like where's the line between living and – like it's, it's so blurred because I'm so energized by what I do. Right. Shout out to the little princess on the way, first of all. Congratulations on that, Matt. That is awesome to hear, first of all. And it sounds like you've really taken some time and figured out not just, like you said, your principles and the brand as we're talking about now, but you kind of figured out your why and your motivation. With that being said, what have you tied in over these last, let's say the last... 20 years of you doing this or being around the business and being in the business, what do you think has made you more successful than the others that you see, the other contractors outside of your principles? Cause your principles are always there, of course, but what other tactics have you used to make you kind of the, the guy to go to the go-to guy, the guy who's everybody who knows everybody's name or everybody knows his name. 
Well, I think a lot of it comes down to, I mean, you can almost say it's courage, but right. I'm, I'm not scared to try. I try a lot of things. I'm, I'm, I look at it and I'm, I'm like, nobody really judges my, you know, if you know me really well, you'll, you'll, you'll know my failures, but my, my team, they, they see also the successes. They don't judge that. But right. on the outside world, I'm really only judged by my successes. You know, mm-hmm. I've tried thousands of marketing initiatives. And so what I've done is I've just looked at, very logical. I just, I, I looked at, for example, like the reviews, I'm like, well, you know, we live in a, we have an online marketplace right now right. and it doesn't matter that all these people like me. If nobody doesn't, you know, if people who don't know me can't go online and find that validation and proof, it's the same way I look at a restaurant, you know, you, there's right. validation in, in those reviews. So I tried a lot of different things and I failed. I mean, I've had some miserable failed experiments and I'm, I'm happy to admit those. <laughs> Um, just horrible, like marketing campaigns and ideas and just, I mean, gosh, I could write you a list, but I have the courage to try those things and one out of every eight or 10 take. And when they take, they take big. And so it's the ability to constantly trial new things um, and to test what works. But at the same time, I'm not a reckless experimenter. What I test is based on what other people are doing, either in my industry or right. other industries. Right. So there's some level of, huh, like postcard mailers, for example, that was a big test that we did. It became very successful, right. but it was like, well, grocery stores do it. Oil, co- you know, the, the oil play, you know, oil change companies do it. Right. I'm like, would that work with masonry and concrete? Ooh, Matt with the mad scientist vibes. I love it. That's fantastic. All right. So let's, here's a great question. Here's a question for you. With your marketing, your branding, what has been, I want to talk about your worst experience so far, like the worst thing that you did, the one you were like, oh, this was, this is just the worst. And then we're going to talk about the best one, but let's talk about the worst one first. What was the worst decision you made when it came to your marketing? Oh man, so many. (laughs) It'd be hard to, hard to pick. Um, I've just tried so many different things. Um, You know, I think the first thing, the worst things I did were the ones in the beginning. I one of the first marketing things I ever did was I got all excited to do coffee mugs mm-hmm. and placemats. <laughs> so I had these, data. see, I was, gosh, I was like young. I was like, this was at least 10 or 12 years ago. I, right. I was, I remember eating with, with my family and, and uh, my mom and I'm like, look, there we are the placemat. I'm like, this is going to make me rich. I was like, you see all these people in here? And I had done like 10 restaurants. I had done this deal with, right. and then I had like, we had diners and coffee mugs. So it was like, you saw it on the mug and right. I didn't even kind of take into consideration that like people are tired when they go to these places sometimes <laughs> like having their coffee. Like there was no marketing uh, uh, foundation, right? You know? but I was so excited. I thought I hit it. I was ready to retire. I was like, I was like, I got an exclusive right. restaurant placemat deal. This is it. I'm done. I I love the fact that you have the ability to laugh about it, Matt, because that's that I think is where the growth really tr- and truly happens is when you look back and you're like, man, that was dumb. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but that was dumb. But nonetheless, man, you've made it through. Now, let's talk about the best thing that you did when it came to your marketing. What was the best choice that you made? I think, honestly, I'm going to answer this one a little upstream. The okay. best choice that I made, counterintuitive, was was I... I became a promoter. I became somebody who I would, everybody I talked to, everybody that I, you know, met with, I was just constantly promoting. And I think, you know, there was a lot of specific like online campaigns. Like I did a lot with PPC and we've done mailers and, you know, social media stuff. But the higher level of that was, was I did 
two things. I made the decision that to be a great company, you have to be great at marketing. Right. In some form or another. And so I became a promoter of my services. I wasn't afraid to say, look, this is what we do. We're amazing and do it at any junction, any interval. You know, we're growing. We're looking for new business. We're excited. You know, Um, that was the big shift. And all the specific tactics underneath that kind of fell under the the bigger mindset of like, I have to be great at marketing or someone in the company has to, if it's not you. Um, and and I'm, and I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm shameless in, in, in the ability to promote. I like it. That makes sense. Cause that's the, basically the principle of you can't be known until you open your mouth so you can be known, right? Like you can't, you, nobody knows your voice until you open your mouth and you speak. So that makes, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Go over please. And I, for those listening, I want to make sure you guys understand everything that Matt's saying. So we're going to break this down a little bit. Matt, you spoke about the PPC and you spoke about marketing uh, the mailers. What does PPC stand for? How does that help or hurt you? And then we can talk about the mailers after that. Yeah. So PPC stands for pay-per-click. It's a Google paid advertising. Um, you know, it works well for, at least in my experience, it's work, it works well for demand-driven uh, products or services. Right. Um meaning there's a high demand. I want it and I want it now. And I know more or less some level of what I want. Right. Okay, cool. Now, why did you pick? And for those who are listening and watching mailers are simply just that Matt sing out postcards or some kind of letter or something in that form for somebody to grab hold of and read. And we call those mailers when it comes to the real estate investing and contracting and anything in real estate. A lot of us do mailers. A lot of investors do mailers for you. I know for some places mailers don't work doesn't work. What made you decide at what point did you decide okay mailers are it or did was it something that you had to decide was it just okay it's working and you just kind of went with it? Well, I looked I wanted to find two things. Right. I wanted to find the thing that I could see most people in my industry doing and making a lot of money with right. and most of them were doing PPC. So I wanted to master the thing that had the most data around my competitors are using it, complementary right. construction companies are using it. There's 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 something working here. Then I wanted, so that was on that side. Then I wanted to find something that is wildly successful in other industries that is almost completely absent in my industry. And that was my inspiration for the mailer. So I would get all these mailers from real estate, uh, um, you know, professionals, investors, what have you in the mail. And I'm like, this has to be working in this industry. Otherwise, people wouldn't be sending these out all the time. They would cut the budget at some at some point. So... I wanted to experiment with could it work in my industry. Mad Scientist vibes again, ladies and gentlemen. The Mad Scientist gets the round of applause again. Dude, that's, that to me is, is a, probably the smartest way, I think, to do it. And most of the people who I know who are successful in the business or any business are doing just what you said you've been doing is looking at bigger competitors, looking at what's working, taking that and reapplying it, and then finding something else. Hey, I'm going to go with a number two and I'm going to master that as well. With that said, when you look at stats, because you sound to me like you're a stats guy, like you're looking at the stats like, and me and Matt talked about this a little bit earlier, like baseball and football, like you're looking at these stats hot and heavy. What's your favorite statistics to see to kind of give you that gauge of, okay, I need to keep going, I need to pull back, or I need to adjust? What are you looking at when you look at your stats to give you the okay to go? 
So I, I struggle with this because I'm, I'm what I'm a self-proclaimed business artist, right? I, I, I struggle. And what I mean by that is, is a business artist is somebody who, who does business mm-hmm. through way of, of almost intuition or emotion. It's, it's, I'm not, I don't have a traditional business background. I never went to business school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a very logical way of looking at things. And so my stats are, you know, um, I look a lot at what's working in other industries and I kind of try and piece together. I'm like, well, there's a high end in every industry. There's a low, medium and high ticket, right? Is there a low, medium and high ticket in masonry and concrete right now? And who's doing it? So I, I look at, you know, I like the data and the data is good, but, but sometimes the data clouds, uh, clouds, true innovation, like really, really powerful innovation because it's, you, when you blaze your own path, there's very little data most of the time. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Let's get into a little bit how, you, how you're how you handling the business. Like we said, you do a lot with the marketing. You've done a lot of that stuff. But one thing that you've spoken about and kind of hit on, you have a very, you have very much have a CEO boss mentality, your thought process. And I want to make sure the listener who's watching and those who are listening, of course, watching and listening, I want to make sure you get from Matt what he's putting out and putting down. And you've talked about mindset a little bit. You've talked about your rules. I want you to get into just a smidge how you decide what to offload and how to offload. This is something a lot of entrepreneurs deal with and see, particularly when it comes to real estate and contracting and all that. But man, I, and I can tell you from my own personal experience, it is hard. Like you, you're doing, I'm doing all the editing on a video and I'm like, oh, I don't want to give it to somebody else or I'm going in and I'm moving the tub from the house, but that takes away my time. How do you decide what you need to offload and when you need to offload it when it comes to business? Yeah, this is, this is like the hardest. I mean, one of the hardest things to really crack um, and the people who crack it, you know, the, the, just have amazing results. Um, I looked at what, what excites me and what am I naturally good at relative to what the business needs? Cause it's those three things. So it's, does it, what, what do I find exciting? What am I good at relative to the needs of the business? Because you may have something that you're excited about and that you're good at, but if the business really doesn't need that service for whatever reason, right? it's, it's not extremely valuable. So it's, it's really about the mentality of working. I, I look at it. What's helped me really think through this is the, the ability to have what I consider to be an operator hat and what I consider to be an owner hat. And an owner hat is working on the business and an operator hat is working in the business. And I, I made sure in the beginning stages to put the owner hat on and think about working on the business. And it changes the way your thoughts come through. It changes the way you think about things. And so I would start by saying, okay, what are all the tasks that need to happen? And you have to write them out. And then I looked at, okay, which one of these am I objectively good at and excited to do relative to the needs? And I would rank the needs. I'd say, okay, well, how important is marketing? Well, if my phone's not ringing, it's probably one of the most important things. Um, You know, if I have a good amount of leads and that lead flow is good, but I can't close the leads, then... Maybe it's more of a sales issue than marketing. Um, so it's just, it's a lot of self-discovery. It's a simple process. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like going to the gym. It, it's its just, 
it's simple yet I wouldn't say it's easy because it requires a lot of discipline to, for you to do this kind of take this kind of inventory um, of yourself, your strengths, and your business. I like it, Matt. I like it. All right, last question before we get into segments, Matt. And this is just really for you as the boss, as the CEO of the business. I want to know where do you see the undercover contractor and the Barbara going? as a brand, as the company, as the marketing, where do you see that going and growing into in the near future? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, the undercover contractor, my goal is to help and work with all the real estate agents, all the real estate investors and all the homeowners in America. That's my goal. I want, I want them to have the knowledge and the confidence to be able to make these decisions. That is, that is my passion. That is my goal. Um, As for Debarra Masonry, you know, that business will, will, will likely always be there. It'll, be something that I would rather take the knowledge and the principles that I've learned and help other contractors throughout the country than I will. Uh, then I would want to maybe grow that business to be, you know, uh, as big as it potentially could be. I want to. I want to give more of the knowledge that we've had over the last hundred two years doing this in the family. Um, but those are kind of the two big goals that I have. I like it. All right, Matt. Let's uh, let's hop into. One of my favorite parts, outside of just the conversation in general, of course, is this the segment. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the first two traditional questions we ask every guest, Matt. And I want to make sure you get to answer these as well. First question is this. I need a troop to task from you. And what that is, is a troop to task is you give the listener one thing he or she can do right now to move forward in whatever direction you think is the right one, particularly when it comes to entrepreneurship, real estate investing, or just being a real estate agent, real estate professional in general. I would write down a goal that excites you and gets you out of bed in the morning. If you can't set an alarm for 3 a.m. because you're so excited to advance towards that goal, it's not big enough. Whew, sweet and heavy. All right, next. What question do you wish you were asked more often? And what's the answer to that question? I, I, I was, oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> what question? I think I, I, the question that I wish I was asked more often was what would I tell my younger self? Mm. I wish, I wish people asked me that more um, because that there, there was so much change and so fast um, and, and the way I would answer that question is I would just tell, I would tell my younger self to, to think bigger in every area of my life. I let so many opportunities pass me by because I wasn't thinking big enough, bigger projects. I had a lot of things that were, were preconceived. I thought them to be one way and I found out later they weren't. Ooh, that's a good one. What's interesting about that is there is that saying out there and I can't remember. I don't remember the exact saying paraphrase here. But we underestimate, we overestimate what we can do in a year. We underestimate what we can do in five or in 10 years. So that makes a lot of sense. Definitely, ladies and gentlemen, make sure write, write down those goals. Matt, I want to make sure I give you the opportunity to give the people how they can get in contact with you, how they can reach you, how they can watch you go about the day and do your business and all the great things you're doing on Instagram and wherever else. I want to give you the floor right now to give out all your handles, any phone numbers you want to give out phone numbers might be sketchy maybe like a google number or something give out whatever whatever you like i'm gonna give it to you right now yeah appreciate that i mean uh at the undercover contractor or shoot me an email matt m-a-t-t-d at the undercover contractor um website is uh the undercover contractor.com 
and yeah, I mean, my goal is to just give you the knowledge. Um, you know, if you're hiring contractors, if you're in the real estate investment space, um, you know, a real estate agent, um, you know, this is great knowledge for homeowners that you can use as a value add. And that's, that's really my passion is just to help in the space. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Oliver. This is Matt. We appreciate you guys for coming in, watching and listening. We hope you got and pray you got something from this. Don't forget after this episode, there's another episode coming and it's going to be Matt's FAQ. And that's what we're about to do right now. So in the meantime, we love you. Be great. Remember you're better than you were, but you're not half as good as you're going to be. We'll see you next time. Matt, tell them bye. Bye. Thank you. you. All right. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Oliver Perry show. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, be sure to follow Oliver at the Oliver Perry on Instagram, Oliver Perry on LinkedIn and the Oliver Perry show on YouTube. Until next time. Take care.